listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Well, this evening oh, we're we're hopefully this will be a little bit shorter. We're gonna uh, we have uh, just a couple of things we want to talk about. We're gonna talk about uh, uh, looks like we got a lot of stuff here about absence only um, education. A couple of different things there. We're gonna talk about uh, human microchipping and uh, the mark of the beast, and then a uh, a Singapore Christian. We're gonna have a little talk about. So, Ian, why don't you get us started? Okay. Well, <laughs> apparently there is a new study that just came out. Um, dealing with abstinence-only education. Now, the study, you know, as you read the article, they're talking about how this will stir up the whole debate again because now the abstinence-only crowd finally has a study that says it works. Well, this, uh, let me see. Is it, well, first of all, stuff. okay, so w- let's let's define abstinence-only education first. Can we do that before we, before we move on and, and talk about this particular form? Okay. That works. Oh, because, I mean, my understanding is is that, I mean, it, that there isn't actually a lot of education that goes into this, that it's not really abstinence-only education, that mainly they're just promoting abstinence. They're not really telling people that about condoms, about STD, and about sex. Right. That's the... So what are they telling them? In basic abstinence-only programming, all, what they're saying, it, they're demonizing sex. They're not talking about birth control at all. And they're just promoting basically a religious agenda. And that's a big difference between what this actual study did. It, this, I, I'd say this had an abstinence-emphasized um, um, program because okay. it, didn't, it, it basically taught uh, – it didn't demonize sex. It taught actual birth control methods. It um, had actual information education behind it. So it wasn't the same as all the other abstinence-only programs that have come in the past that have not worked. Okay, so this, th- basically, so this is different. So in yes, this, this study, they actually they actually taught about STDs, and they did they yes. actually teach about sex as well? Yes, they, they taught real information about sex, which is completely different from all the other abstinence-only programs that have come before this. So this really was education. Yes, and, and that's a, one problem with labeling abstinence-only because it wasn't you know it doesn't fall in that category. But that's, you know, besides the point, according to, you know, a lot of these people that want to try and promote the abstinence-only um, agenda. But also in this case, if you look at the information given, um, they talk about how in the two-year um, program that they studied, there were less people engaging in sex who came from the abstinence-influenced program. Uh, the problem there is it doesn't follow up with any of the other actual issues about it, whether or not there was a higher percentage of pregnancies or STDs. So even with what was given here, it doesn't say much. You can't really take much out of it because they haven't gone to the next logical step to see if the, the kids that were in this program actually do any better. And if you look at the percent-wise, it said... Um, among those okay. signs, there's about a nine percent difference between exactly. Yeah, not anything that substantial. Well, again, but here's now. This is a misuse of statistics here that they're doing, and this is this is one one of the things I really wanted to point out about this is that they are abusing statistics here because they're saying that they listen to the way that they that this is put in here. One third. um, Let's see. 
only a third of students who participated in a weekend absence-only class started having sex within 24 months, compared with about half of those randomly assigned instead of uh, assigned to a general health information class. But then they go down here and say that that half is really only 42%. So we're looking at 33% versus 42%. So it's pretty nominal, but they but the way that they couch the statistics is a cure is a, a clear abuse of them. You know, if they had said 33% versus 42% and and were honest right. about it, it it doesn't it doesn't look quite as substantial at that time. Right, but you know that's standard with these kind of things. I, I I've not seen anything in this that really says this new program is that significance of a difference. Um, I think it's probably about the right way to go. It's kind of a hybrid. Um, you know, I can understand why you'd want to emphasize the need for abstinence. But it, as long as they're teaching the actual education with it, it's really, you know, it's more or less the, the true sex education the kids need just with an emphasis on the abstinence. Okay. It, it's not abstinence only. It's actually closer to be real sex education. Right, right, as opposed to absence only, which is don't tell them anything, just tell them not to do it. I mean, one of my concerns on this is that the research basically only focused on African American students, so there's a racial bias here. Yeah, it's it seems to be saying that they basically are striking at the people who are the most likely to go out and have sex, which really is kind of insulting. (laughs) <laughs> the other thing that's kind of interesting here, here is that uh, the students that they were that they were studying were basically paid twenty dollars a session yeah. to to get the results that they were looking for. Yeah, right. so that I mean that does going, yeah. So you're paying them twenty dollars a week not to have sex. That that might actually be a solution. It's not, not enough money. Not a good money. financial solution, but it might actually work. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but it doesn't say. I mean, did they pay both groups? I mean that's the yeah. Same. Everyone involved in the site, everyone in any group got paid. Okay, so they all got so, paid twenty bucks. A m- I mean, listen, they they, they got it. they paid them twenty bucks to go and you know and get some education on the weekends. I, I don't know that I have a huge problem with that. Yeah, I'm kind of just wondering though if the focus of this was on abstinence only and they were being paid twenty dollars a session to attend the classes. I'm wondering what the incentive was to not necessarily be accurate with what they were doing well that's that's been a um criticism if you look at i posted um some other articles to go with it so we have uh, about four or five articles that all refer back to the initial story so that our listeners can go and see you know some different views on it some different criticisms and stuff and that, i believe one of the articles did mention that criticism you know having the money and then how does that influence um how they're going to answer. Okay, but if I if I participate in a drug trial, I get paid, right? You know, I get some sort of compensation. Right, but, you know, I, I think there is a level of if you are given money, your mind does kind of trigger into, okay, what do I think they're trying to get out well, of Well, th- okay, so there's that. I mean, I would have preferred to see this the done this in place of you know in, uh, the school education that they were already getting right and, and then see its effectiveness and i would and the other thing is that this is once again i mean it's really a small study and the the problem with the small studies is that they they're only good for moving on to the next bigger study right you know, to help you exactly. refine your technique to move on conclusive. It's right. a one-time study. It's a small. It, it doesn't really prove anything. There's so many 
holes in it. You know, it's one of those things that I we can't take seriously yet because it's definitely not enough to really back it up. Well, you know, on the radio the other the other day, I hear I was hearing about um, somebody was trying to sell some stupid thing, and they were talking about the caloric restriction and how it pro- prolongs life. But what they didn't tell anybody is that this had only been done in mice; that it that it hadn't been done in human trials. So it's the same kind of thing here. Okay, this one study shows something interesting. Um, it doesn't show us how it works against normal absinthe only. That there, there's no, um, there's no percentage, you know, there. So all it tells us is what it did against general education. It didn't tell us of the of the one third that did go ahead and have sex in the next 24 months. How many of them used protection versus the other group of the 42 percent that did? How many of them used protection? Right. Right. Uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done for this to be effective, but that the problem is, you know, it, it it's be, it's calling itself an abstinence only study. It's saying that abstinence only works, and what we're going to have is we're going to have a, a big rush of these um, religious fanatics who have been trying to push their their religious based abstinence only program on this country, using that as a way to try and push it more. When still the facts show that. Those abstinence only programs do not work. They are extremely ineffective. Um, kids are not learning what they need from them, and kids are being stupid coming out of them and making huge mistakes. Right. You know, I guess the other point here is what what's the ultimate goal of these programs? You know, in in my view, yeah, it, it would probably be better if a lot of these teens weren't having sex. But ultimately, they're going to, whether we right. tell them to or not. So. Part of what these programs need to do is make sure that when they do do it, and they're going to, many of them, <laughs> that they're well, um, but, that they're using protection. Let me uh, let me point out though that apparently we were wrong on this, saying that this study was not uh, not a very good study with a small sample because it says right in the text, per the doctor who did the study, that this is a rigorous study. So apparently we were wrong about. It. <laughs> the 660 students do constitute a rigorous study. Oh, well. <laughs> and they now, and we can now say that it's possible for an abstinence-only intervention to be effective. Well, consider me chastised. <laughs> I, I think that he may have gone into this with some preconceived notions. Well, yeah, look at that. I'm sensing <laughs> confirmation bias. Yes, <laughs> confirmation bias. You know, uh, yeah. yeah. But you know, we're trying to fight. Get the government to stop wasting money on abstinence only. And here it is, you know, someone coming up and trying to make it look like that we should be wasting money there again. Well, and clearly, I mean, abstinence only should be a tool. One of the things that we talk about in a comprehensive sex sex education class. So, so, so it's yeah. not abstinence only. It's saying that abstinence is a good thing. That's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. But you can't say abstinence only because that doesn't teach a damn thing. Well, the other thing that they said that they did in this study is give these students methods for coping with you know pressure to have sex. And okay, that's, that, that's good too. So there's a lot of good things in this study. The ultimate goal of this study, though, should have only been to come up with some data for doing the next larger study. Right. That's it. It's too small to, to take this and, you know— Stamp it and call it a day. The other thing is it, it says it was reported in a journal. Was it a peer-reviewed journal? And if so, which one? It doesn't say. I'm sure if this was in the you know Journal of Nature and Science, the, the New England Journal of Nature and Science, that they would have said so. Right. There's, you know, those questions to be asked. You know, there's just a fair amount to it that's 
make it quite clear there was an agenda. That they're trying to push it through and say, "Hey, look, it, it backs up our agenda. You have to take it seriously." And like, you know, and I think that it's you know it's good enough that they can that that the results are good enough that they can move on you know right. to a bigger trial. But I'm still no with tweaking the basic sex education program and influence trying to say, yeah, you know, let's try and get the kids to really think about abstinence and try for it. Well, but wasn't that know, part you of have it? Have to make sure there's more to it than that. Didn't wasn't that part of your sex education? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't overemphasized, I admit, but I, you know, they talked about that being the most effective form of birth control. Sure, I, you know, I remember that. Yeah, and, no, I, you know, yeah. yes, yeah, okay. So, so I mean, yeah, so I mean, there's a good portion of the study that we do agree with, and we'd like to see, you know, um, a larger trial. But also, right. I'd like to make sure that the um, I, that you know they talk about the general sex ed versus the absence only sex ed. I'd like to make sure that they're getting the same information. I don't know that they were in this study. Um, yeah, and but, but once more, this also you look at what they said. The study was the study, the, the, what they did should not be classified as abstinence only, and that's the other big problem with this. That that, that says they're trying for an agenda. It's like no, you guys need to rename this, call it something else because it's clearly not abstinence only. The only reason to call it that is because you're trying to say, hey, look, abstinence only works, and it's like no, no, no. abstinence only does not work. You guys just took. The abstinence only do it on a thing that was not abstinence only, just to get that result, just to get the label on it. Yes, and it's like no, that's misleading. That's dishonest. You know, call it something different. But to call it abstinence only is basically lying, as far as I'm concerned. These guys straight out are lying to us just because they want to influence um, things in one specific direction. Yeah. Well, here's a breakdown in logic here too. This the abstinence only. The, basically, the keeping kids from, from having sex before they're old enough to handle it. This is a primarily a religious right, uh, a, an agenda by the religious right. No doubt. Okay, and yet the same group is overlooking an even more effective method of birth control. In fact, they actually demonize a more effective method of birth control: Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> No, was it? There was a joke a little while ago talking about um, George Lucas basically created Star Wars just to um, create a form of birth control. Well, that's, <laughs> that's that's the number two form of birth control, followed by number three in third place. My glasses in junior high. Okay, then how come I have kids? Yeah, and you know what though? That was true until the Geek Revolution. That oh, was, that's what happened. We had the Geek Revolution. Yes, we had the right. Geek Revolution. Now, now we have. Now we have. Uh, you know, basically, computer geeks are the new alpha males. It was in the Bible. The geeks shall inherit the earth. I read it. Okay, so that's why we all have kids. <laughs> that's right. The and Bible the, says the Star so. Wars, the D and D didn't work birth control for us because we were part of the geek revolution. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, ultimately, the the question of whether abstinence-only sex education works is still. No, it doesn't. But a more comprehensive form of sexual education that includes abstinence does work. Right. Is basically what came out of this. Sure. Yeah. So, but basically, ultimately, this trial was not very thorough. It only, you know, it was it was it was a very selective group. They paid the people to attend. They abused the statistics in the results. You know, to they they couch them in improperly. Um, Well, they abused the sample group too. Yeah, they abused the sample group. And when it all comes down to it, they're trying to prove that abstinence keeps people from having sex. Well, and ultimately, I don't think it does. (laughs) But what? Yeah, by definition, 
looking at whether abstinence protects people from sexual diseases, not looking at whether abstinence protects people from unwanted pregnancy. They're saying abstinence keeps people from having sex. Right. Abstinence only education. So it's a it's a directed agenda. It's not an agenda necessarily. It's it's helping people, but it's helping people with you need to take the advice that I give you. Not I want to help you in I'm not it's it's if you listen to me, you'll be right. So it basically goes against our basic Right. Well, and really, this article is pretty biased, too. I, I mean, who uh, the, the person who wrote this article really didn't do much analyzing um, of the information no. that was given. They pretty much just regurgitated. And, you know, only here in the beginning do they, do they really tell us what spurred this off. And that was basically because, you know, the, um, uh, the current administration has said that uh, – that you know they've removed money for absence only education and they're putting it towards a teen pregnancy uh sexual uh, what a teen pregnancy uh, let's see they're putting it toward a more direct more general yeah, sex education more, and the the point of the article is we need to stop that before it's too late and go back to abstinence only which doesn't work and that's really not the statistics don't lend themselves to that conclusion. all right okay so let's move on here this is this is an interesting okay. one uh, human microchips seen by some in Virginia House as device of anarchists or antichrist. Sorry, antichrist. Yes. Uh, this is. Hold on. One hold on. Hold that... up. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. So tell us about it, Ian. Okay. Well, this is to me one of those perfect examples where we need separation of church and state. For one thing, the initial idea here makes sense, and I'm all for it. But what you have is you have someone that's coming in here with a great argument and then stepping over the line and saying, oh, yeah, and by the way, we have, we have to um, go against us because we, we want to prevent the Antichrist. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> the privacy concerns, the invasion, you know, the, the, um, basically the individual rights to freedom and stuff like that, I agree with. You know, people should not um, be stuck with involuntary implant of the microchips. Uh, you know, the, no government should be able to um, have that kind of um, control over monitoring their people. I completely and totally agree with that. Who do they want to put these microchips in? I, when I read this article, uh, no, I really didn't say. Th- no, this is a general thing. This is just saying we want to criminalize it before anyone tries to do it. Oh, my Basically, God. Basically, it's being done in dogs and pets to keep track of them, and there's talk of where it can be done. It, 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 no one's doing it, but there's well, talk now, of what it can do. Let's clarify this. It doesn't exactly keep track of the pets. If the pet is lost, they can scan the microchip and find out who the pet belongs to. Right. But it doesn't lojack them. It's not a GPS device. Well, yeah. they're ta- talking about it as being that, though. Well, maybe um, they're trying to head that off the pass because currently, right now, all it is is an RFID tag. Yeah. It's- but still, they're talking about where it can go. I, I, basically, if you read the article, it's talking about how you can identify and track them. And yeah, it's not necessarily GPS, but you know, I understand the idea of um, the, the being um, uh, of what's it called? Wait, I just said a moment ago, and I'm brain farting. The um, invasion of privacy aspect to it. But they're talking about practical uses. If you look, um, they're talking about um, people can have these and allow them to have their medical records with them anywhere they go. Talking about um, obviously kids, and the, um, talking about possibly using them with Alzheimer's patients. Okay. Okay. And, and that's just the talk. No one's saying it's being done. That's just saying this is a possibility where we can take this technology. So uh, uh, st- states have been introducing these bills, saying no, we're going to make that illegal in this state. So here we have um, Virginia. Well, they only the want to—they want to criminalize involuntary implantation. Right, 
Right. So you can't force somebody to have this. But right. if they want to have it, they can have it. Right. And the basic idea I agree with. But then when you have this dumbass, I'm going to call it dumbass because it is just – you know, this is crossing the line, coming in and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we can't have those things because that sounds too much like a biblical um, issue. <laughs> uh, we have to stop it now before, um, you know, everyone has the mark of the beast on them. And it's like, whoa, uh, I wasn't aware our government was busy wasting money trying to do um, a, the job of a religion. You know, that's crossing the line there. That's saying that suddenly the government's job is to maintain biblical ideas, and it's not. No. Right. Well, and once and again, I, you know, we can't have our we, – we can't be regulating church. You know, I mean, we, we're supposed to have a separation of church and state. Well, man, you know, this doesn't even really apply. The, yeah, that's the thing. It, it's, it's saying that they want to push religion into um, – our, our laws and okay. honestly, we were not founded as a Christian nation. We um, our laws are not based on the Bible. You know, the laws of a country can't be because as soon as you do that, as soon as you say, okay, we're going to take the Bible and base all our laws on that, you're violating um, the freedom of religion. Right. You're saying one religion has the right to dictate other laws, and that's exactly what's going on in the Middle East. Exactly what the Christians over here are complaining about in the Middle East, and are afraid of. You know, if, if you look at the paranoia that's out there, you have a bunch. The Christians claiming that the Muslims are going to come in and do exactly what this thinking is doing. Right. And, given and they're worried it, that the Muslims are going to do it first. Right. Yes. And, and, <laughs> you, and if you give them the chance, the Christians will do it first. You know, when they and, were in charge of, you know, Rome, you know, that that's the kind of things that they did. Right. And the thing is, I'm, if I'm pretty sure, though, that at some point the Christians did call dibs. So they have a fire claim. They licked it. uh But no, if if we were to right now let Christian thinking like this dominate our laws, it would actually make it easier for the Muslims to be able to come in and do the exact same thing because we would have set up the president saying, okay, you can get away with that. Yeah, we'll end up in religious wars. The thing is, if, if we stand solid and make sure the Christians aren't allowed to push religion into our laws, that makes it harder for anyone else to do it. And the Christians should actually be real. I, I wish they would come, come to terms and realize that it's a good thing that we're not letting them push um, a connection between church and state. It's a very good thing for them, even. Right, for all of us. Yeah. Yes. But actually, go ahead. No, no, go on. Go ahead. I was going to say my my take on this actually goes in a different direction. I think that as a as a Bible believing person and as a spiritual man, that this representative may actually be a little misguided on this point, because yeah. is not is not the belief here that the Bible is one hundred percent literal, and therefore Revelations itself is one hundred percent literal. <laughs> He's trying to stave off revelations, which means he's basically defying the will of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another thing. You have all, all these Christians right now are claiming we're in the end days, second coming is going to happen soon, Jesus will return, all this. And yet they're fighting against it. It's like, okay, um, if it's going to come, it's going to come, right? So Yeah, don't why? they want this? Yeah. You isn't, know. This, isn't, this the, isn't this the big end game that they all want? Yeah, and are, are, are you guys saying that you're going to be able to stop it from happening? I, I, I thought if God wanted it to happen, it was going to happen. You know, it was God who gets to decide, not us. You can pass all the laws you want, but supposedly if God decides it's the time for it to happen, you know, you can't stop it. Well, so, look, yeah, well, look yeah. at what God just did in Haiti. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, yeah, yeah what, uh, how many laws do you make against this stuff that you think is going to 
called the mark of the beast. Um, logic, according to you, the Christian logic, Christian beliefs, they shouldn't be able to stop it. It's going to happen anyways. Hey, hey, hey. So, Don't do that. <laughs> Christian and logic in the same sentence is not allowed. <laughs> it is a good oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> logic. Military intelligence. <laughs> Important blogger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm important, damn it, and I know it. Oh, there we go. How about a, how about Three Stooges with a podcast? <laughs> no, that sounds accurate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to actually I'm gonna have to actually go out on a limb and say that I've probably got the Larry hairstyle. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You guys want to hear about what uh, Singapore Trounces Christian minister on joking about Buddhism? Did they cane him? Uh, you know what? It doesn't say, but, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sorry. No article about Singapore is any good without some Without some caning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give no, us the rattan. So, so this guy, um, what is the pastor's name? Pastor Ronnie Tan. Mac, you do realize what song I now have in my head, don't you? Which one? Word Al? Headline News? Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like somebody hit me on the head. I'm I'm hearing birds. There was this boy. <laughs> I can make them louder. <laughs> I bet you can. Okay. All right. So, so and, and I actually, I watched the first part of this video. And realistically, I mean, compared to what, you know, Christians do in this, uh, in, in this country on TV, this was incredibly tame. Yeah, and and so this pastor is poking a little fun at, at Buddhism, and he has this guy who was a monk um, standing up talking about Buddhism, and uh, and it really to me it was unfortunate that okay, so this guy was supposedly you know becoming a monk and everything, but he really seemed to have missed um, the fundamentals of Buddhism for for whatever reason. He really Buddhism may not have been his call. Well, okay, well, I, okay. So, Buddhism is one thing I think most Christians are completely clueless about. Well, but this was the monk about. that was the that was yeah. Pre- and so, but here he was, and I haven't watched it to the end. I don't know why the the Buddhist monk you know didn't continue with Buddhism, but you know he he talked about the things that he did. You know he uh, you know the the uh, um, meditation. You know they had to meditate, right? And uh, you know that they were trying to, you know, come to, you know, whatever a higher consciousness or whatever. Um, not my thing either. Um, but uh, the the pastor was, you know, poked fun of all at all of these things. But when I was watching it, it's like, okay, so the Buddhists meditate, the Christians pray. You know, I mean, yeah, they, same thing. They, there are a lot of direct parallels. I mean, the whole thing was yeah. pot, meat, kettle. Oh yeah. So, uh, so as I was going going through it, you know, but the thing that was clear is that I mean the the similarities that I saw, you know, that when he was talking about it, um, you know, were, were were pretty good. I mean, the the Buddhist monks had taken a vow of of, um, of abstinence. Oh, well, yeah, you know, they they they, they they're not going to have sex anymore, and neither are you know Catholic priests. So certainly there's some similarities there, and that's not true amongst all Christians, of course. Right. Um, but I I don't know for sure that's true amongst all Buddhists either. Yeah, there's quite a few different um, schools of Buddhism, just like there are with any religion. That's right. So there's a lot of different um, you know ways of thought there. So, but I mean, realistically, I saw a lot of parallels between the two. Even though he's making fun of what they're calling it, they're doing a lot of the same things. The the monks have their chanting, which was one of the things that you know they got the crowd really going about. But you know, Christians sing. Oh yeah. 
Um, one of the things though, that was interesting is that the Buddhist monk, they had this one word that they were supposed to re- repeat over and over again. He asked them, well, what did the word mean? He says, I don't know. But he never asked anybody either. Yeah, and so and, he and so they asked him. Well, did did the other monks know? He's like, I don't know. I never asked. It's like, <laughs> wait a second, wait. You you never you never thought to ask what this word meant that you kept repeating. You never asked anybody, but yet you were so you're supposed to be. I'm supposed to think. I'm supposed to assume, you know, that you're some sort of authority that you that you really knew Buddhism and that you spent all this time in the temples, but yet you never asked some of these basic questions. So right. that that kind of threw me off too. That you know that that this guy really didn't seem to know what he was talking about about Buddhism, what, Buddhism which apparently he had studied since he was very young. It, to me, it looked like you know uh, a lot of you know kids going to church because that's what they're supposed to do. Oh yeah, there's a lot of pe- a lot of Christians that don't know what it is they actually believe, but are just going through the motion because hey, that's what my parents did. They took me to church every day. I went through the motions then. You know, they, they don't know the Bible. They don't know. Um, they, they just repeat blindly back to the um, priest and stuff like that. They don't know what they're saying. Right. You know, it's no different. So, but so the Singapore government took Pastor Tans and sat him down and had a talk with him. And uh, since uh, since they had that talk with him, Pastor Tans has come out and taken down the videos, retracted everything that he said, said that you know that you know that it it was I know it was offensive and it was wrong and none of it was true, and he also uh, has urged people to stop you know um, replaying the videos and you know and take them down as well. Of course, they're all over YouTube. It's not hard to find. Yeah, it's viral now. Yeah, it's viral. Yeah. Exactly, it's viral now. Once you get something on the internet, it's there forever. So. Right, and he knows that. But I, th- I find it unfortunate. I mean, the, the, I think that this sounds from the article. It makes it sound like this is kind of the standard, um, standard way that the Singapore government deals with this kind of stuff. That they that they want religious harmony, and that they don't want the religions speaking out against the other ones. And so they went in, and you know they they, they had a talk with uh, Pastor Tans. But Mac, you had uh, said that their constitution um, says that they have free speech, isn't that right? Yeah, I I looked up their constitution to have a um, just kind of have a basis to go by here. And honestly, their constitution, although worded differently, is not too dissimilar from our own constitution. They have freedom of speech. Um, every citizen of Singapore has the right to freedom of speech and expression. All citizens of Singapore have the right to assemble peaceably and without arms, and all citizens of Singapore have the right to form associations. They also have freedom of religion. Right. And uh, let's see. Every person has the right to profess and practice his religion and to propagate it. No person shall be uh, – well, let's skip that one. That's about taxes. Every religious <sighs> group has the right to manage its own religious affairs, to establish and maintain institutions for religious or charitable purposes, and to acquire and own property and administer and hold it in accordance with law. It it kind of sounds like unless there was a an actual public safety issue based upon what this man was saying, that they really shouldn't have trounced all over. Well, they said that they felt that um, that this could incite um, what. What did they say? Um, uh, the religious uh, um, Singapore authorities What's emphasize it? religious harmony and punish all acts that uh, that they consider offensive against any other religious pursuit. 
Um, they so, also felt, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were they were afraid that a bunch of Buddhists were going to riot over this? Because they're kind of famous <laughs> for not rioting. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the, there's a pacifism to Buddhism. Well, maybe they're going to have a, you know, a squat in town or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing is that it's interesting, if you'll pres- permit me a non sequitur, that these people have the right to, um, to religious freedom, but they don't have the right to bubble gum. Okay. Okay. Haven't you heard? Singapore has strict laws about bubble gum. I haven't heard that. I had not heard that one. Yeah, you haven't heard that because um, apparently on the subways, it was getting stuck in the subways and people were scraping it off. And so you can't – my understanding is you can't get it. But um, but yeah, they, they, you know, they watch their city very closely to keep it clean and stuff. And that it's you know you have to go and get bubble gum and you have to write your name <laughs> down on the list that you bought it and everything. Singapore has some very strict laws. They are not a democracy. I don't I don't care what their constitution says. And this you know, is I, evidence actually, of it. I believe that in Amsterdam it's uh, it's legal to chew and possess bubble gum, and that if if you are suspected of having bubble gum, it's illegal for the police to search you. <laughs> uh, I'm just right now picturing you know this bubblegum bus where you have the SWAT team breaking down the house. Okay, okay, where's the gum? Where's the gum? We know you have it. Put down the gum on the paper, not right, on the sidewalk. Here, okay, I found it. And step chewing away gum. carefully. Singapore chewing gum punishment. What is the punishment for chewing gum in Singapore? It's the same as for graffiti. Okay, let's see what it says. I don't know. Is it okay to chew gum in Singapore? Is there is no punishment, although there is punishment for spitting gum on the floor. There is also punishment for sticking gum anywhere. You have the you have to pay a fine if you want to chew gum, spit it out in a place uh, in in a piece of tissue and throw it away in a rubbish bin. Um, it's illegal to sell gum in Singapore. No, it's legal to sell gum in Singapore. Okay, so it's not illegal, but the, you know they have some. They you know they, they have strict laws about how you dispose of it. It looks like. I don't know. I'm almost for that. I think that'd be kind of nice to have there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, when I first heard about it, you know, it was made a huge deal of, and I found out later that it wasn't quite what people had made of it. Um, but it's yeah, actually it, kind of common courtesy. Well, if it's, you're chewing yeah. gum, you shouldn't be spinning it out where people are going to step on it. Yeah. So you know, how, how do, yeah. But how do you actually legalize that? I don't know. But apparently it's legal. But they do. But they had some issues with it getting stuck places, and so they they made laws about that. So good for them. So, but back to our article. I don't think that I I I think this guy had a right to to say or do whatever he wanted. And quite frankly, like I say, what he did is pretty tame. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had the crowd going and everything a little bit, but it wasn't like they were in a you know roar, roaring laughter. Um, they, it just, you know, it was just jokes and jabs at, you know, at, at Buddhists and Taoists, which like I say, in, in this country, this would have been incredibly tame compared to what, you know, the Christians say about other religions. And, and this is where, you know, I, I start to get ticked, um, with religions because as much as they can, you know, have a, a, a bond of community, right. And they can bring people together and they, they can have these great community bonds. They can have you can have these great community bonds as long as you agree with exactly what they're saying. Because if you practice that religion over there, you're going to hell. Right. And and so now you know religion becomes the most divisive thing on the planet. Oh yeah, um, Sarah, you know, my wife, she has stories about how when she was young, she was told she was not allowed to um, play and socialize with other kids because they of their religious beliefs. Right. 
Oh, yeah. They're evil. They'll corrupt you. You can't spend time with them. <laughs> exactly. Well, if you if your religion is so right, then spending time with somebody of other religions shouldn't make a difference because in the end, yours is going to be, win out. It should be considered charity. <laughs> well, yeah, really. <laughs> oh, that, that's one interesting thing I've seen. And so a lot of these religious arguments is they come off as if they're scared that their faith might not be strong enough that their religious beliefs might not hold up against these others because you know they're, they're trying to fight all the other religions influence but it's like well if yours is as strong as you claim it is if your beliefs is you know the divine one by god shouldn't it be strong enough to withstand the criticism strong enough to withstand the competition right you know why are you so afraid of that it, you know if, if you really believe your beliefs are that strong your faith is that powerful if your god is you know going to be able to um push the truth yeah i, I did a yeah. quote of course no yeah, one can exactly. see that you know, <laughs> but if god can push the truth you know why are you so afraid of it you know they the, need the to save everybody ian what they need to save everybody yeah you must be saved <laughs> But once more, if if you you're, you're, if your God is powerful enough to do that, if your beliefs are strong enough that, and right enough and stuff, you shouldn't be afraid of criticism. You shouldn't be afraid of competition because you should be winning. It, it, you know, there, there shouldn't be a lot of the, these issues believers have where you can't criticize them. You can't put anything that disagrees with their beliefs up there. You know, that's just the most horrible thing possible. If you know their, their God's really that strong, their beliefs are really that right. They should be able to handle criticism and competition without it um, breaking a sweat. But right. yet, they, they panic when you criticize. So you know that to me that says something about really where their faith is, where how strong they believe in it all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I have you know if it would be nice if these religious groups would you know get together, do their thing, and let the other people get together and do their thing. Yep. You know because because when you do that. It works, you know. They 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 have these strong communities that you know, and they can really help each other. But it, that's not what they're always doing. You know, I worked with a guy who was, you know, one of these ones who believed only a few people are going to heaven, and that everybody heard about Jesus first, right before it, that 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 was the first thing that all of these people were given. But yet they went up out their you know their own ways. You know, to you know the Native Americans had theirs, but they heard about they heard about Christ first. You know, and the Buddhists heard about Christ first. You know, but they but they you know they went to Buddha anyway. It's just it was just garbage you know that that their path was the only one that was right all right right all right so let let's finish up with uh with with something else here let's finish up with chocolate hearts make for healthy hearts john go ahead and let, let, let's finish up with this okay i just found a kind of an interesting little article just kind of lighthearted thing here there's not really a lot of science behind this there's not really anything there's not a real study. All it is is basically saying that people who have chocolate once a week are 22% less likely to have a stroke than those who ate no chocolate. So is this to say that if I eat it every day that my chances will go down even more? You're, I guess you would be 100% less likely. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, there's, no, there's no real science behind it. There's just – no, and, and there's no – there's no mechanism to say this is why the chocolate is less likely, whether it's the, uh, the possible antioxidant effects of dark chocolate or whether it's just the fact that chocolate has chemicals in it that do relieve stress. 
Right. I'm starting to think that this antioxidant stuff is overblown. I don't think that the that the data for that's very good. And quite frankly, hey, 20 hey now. <laughs> chocolate kills cancer, Brian. Oh. Chocolate kills cancer, so does broccoli. So does broccoli. So broccoli dipped in chocolate has got to be healthy. <laughs> could it could it just counts. be that, you know, that these 20 the 22%, I mean that's not that's not really even. I mean that's still placebo. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 going to be hard to weed that out from an actual effect. So you're saying that these 22 percent are people who might have been suffering from hypochondria. I'm <laughs> saying that they just felt better while they were eating the chocolate, and it was the fact that uh, you know they were having a good time when they were doing it that made the difference, not the chocolate. Yeah, well, that, that's quite possible. But chocolate makes everything better. Absolutely. Don't you be dogging on chocolate. I'm not dogging yeah. on the chocolate. I, I'm just saying. That, hey, it wards uh, off Dementors. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're right. I, I'm going to take everything back just for that because we got to keep the Dementors away. Uh, all right. Well, that was fun, guys. I'm glad that we, we – you know, you, you, can't, you can't beat ending with chocolate though, right? Oh, I'm all for it, especially, you know, this is day before Valentine's. You know, perfect little nod to the holiday <laughs> where you basically show your love by your women by giving them something to make them fatter. Yeah, well, there you go. Just more love. Just more love. All right, guys, if that's it, let's get out of here. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yes, and fun. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Contact information for Amateur Skeptics can be found at AmateurSkeptics.com. Music for this podcast was provided by OMF. Learn more about OMF at MySpace.com forward slash OMFHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivative 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please don't change or edit the file.